Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson vill jag så bra som mig. Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Carlson. Yes, welcome everybody to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by a guy who's about to talk to someone who's been at the top of my rankings for prospect experts for the past couple years, and there was no way I was going to let him fall to fourth when I had the opportunity to get him on the show. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski, and with me is the founder of Scouching, head of video analysis at McKean's Hockey, the producer of countless hours of content about the 2022 draft class. It's Will Scouch, aka Scouching. Welcome to the show. Oh, yeah. Elon, thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled. Uh, that that was a very flattering introduction, and I'm, uh, I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm really stoked to have you. I'm going to just have to get right into the content. Yeah. I, I, I do want to ask you, okay, at the risk of wasting precious time talking about prospects with you, I do have a question. Like, how many hours of recordings do you think you have talking about this? Oh, draft God. <laughs> well, let's see. I've done... Uh, I did 30 reports for... Oh my goodness, it's going to be a lot because I do a live stream every week that runs about two hours. I think I did 34 of those this year. So that's 68 hours. Last year, I think I did about 30. So that's another 60 hours. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's hundreds of hours, hundreds of hours of YouTube content. Yes. So people can trust that you probably know what you're talking about. No, they can't. No, they can't. Let's be (laughs) real. (laughs) Well, I'm also curious to know, like, you you come up with rankings, right? And you break players into tiers. When you're making these rankings, just so I get a sense as we talk through these guys, do you have like Mm -hmm. fantasy hockey at all in mind? Or are you thinking mostly Uh, just in terms of like value to their team? No, I'm just thinking hockey. Like, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking hockey players, how they play what right. they're doing you know fan- i mean some some podcasts are much more fantasy focused and that does change my thinking and it definitely does depend on the fantasy league categories that are in a given league because mm-hmm. it can really wildly change a player's valuation but um in terms of my actual hockey work the idea is here's a thing and i'm handing it to nhl teams that's the that's the plan beauty okay yeah so i guess as we go through the players obviously i could try to like see if there's any specific fantasy impacts that are separate than the guys but i'm generally just curious to get your takes on what happened at the draft it was such a crazy first oh my day. god yeah <laughs> uh i i guess let's start at the top okay i'm thinking maybe for the agenda for today we can go through kind of the top i don't know 12 15 guys picked and then i'll, I'll throw it to you to like let us know of any other players that maybe fell too far that you think are going to be impactful and then i don't know we'll see what time it is at that yeah. point but we gotta start at the top montreal i'll be honest i was one of those people thinking yeah, they're probably just going to take shane right like it just yep. seemed like the player they would go for and then you know then the buzz came out bob mckenzie came out with that list uh listing slavkovsky at the top and the next thing you know that's who the Habs went with with and we'll talk about Shane Wright in a bit but first let's talk about uh, Yurf Slavkovsky like how do you think he compares you know to other first overall picks recently like are we looking at a sure shot superstar or what's your current no. take <laughs> I I think that we're looking at like I don't like looking at a draft class especially what five days after it's been laid out I don't like looking at them and going this draft was bad or good I think I think that what this draft does indicate is that it's a lot less exciting than other drafts and it's much more wide open i i would be very surprised if uh, if if someone like yuri slavkovsky was like far and away the best player to come out of this draft like in the future it, it i could see a universe where he becomes one of the better power skill wingers in the league i think that is a universe where it exists and i see the appeal of a player like that but you know, I look at guys like Logan Cooley and Shane Wright and Matthew Savoy and, you know, uh, who else? Like Frank Nazar up front, Nazar, I should say, up front and say, OK, like these are guys that could score, right? Like they could score pretty solidly in the NHL one day, especially those first couple names I listed. Simone Nemich can also score and make plays in the offensive zone. So I think that at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of players that I think you could stake the claim of being the best player in the draft. Um, but you know, Slavkovsky, I, I get it. He was fourth on my board going into the draft and, I, but I have time for the argument of him at one. I just would be quite uncomfortable doing it because in order to get to where he needs to be in order to be truly, truly dominant, I think it's going to be a hard road because there aren't very many guys that have pulled it off, but it's not impossible. It's just that there were other players available that I think there's an easier trajectory to see to being seriously impactful NHL players, but 
I think at the end of the day, it's probably just, you know, you roll a four-sided dice and they all have the same number on them, right? Like at the end of the day, it's not going to really matter. Right. So the Habs just kind of have to hope that they made the right roll. And it's too bad maybe they didn't have a fourth pick because they could have uh, yeah. maybe gotten someone just as good. But like, it, it, was it mainly the Olympics, do you think, with Slavkovsky? Like he scored seven goals in those seven games. <laughs> I mean, over- I hope not. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I look at the Olympics and I think, you know, I, I watched that tournament. It was not great hockey like that you know he's a big guy and coming off the boards and attacking off the boards he makes it look a lot he makes it look really easy and at the olympics it was even easier and i remember like at the at the actual draft the the highlights they showed on the jumbotron of slavkovsky was just him just blasting through danish defensemen at the world championships and the goalie just had this crummy rebound that kind of squirted through his legs and it ended up a tap in for slavkovsky and i'm going okay like that's not really a high-end play. That's more like they didn't know how to handle someone that big and that strong. But he's still a really, really talented player. I think that as, you know, I wouldn't run a line through him, but as a guy that just holds on to pucks, makes possession plays, makes plays off the boards, you know, that kind of thing, and and maybe can get into the middle of the ice a little bit for scoring chances. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value there. I think that he could serve a purpose, you know, extremely well there. So, We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, I guess one last question about him. Do you think that he's going to make the Habs roster next year? Last year, you know, Owen Power became the first first overall guy in a while to not actually make the team until the very end of the season. Like, what, yeah. how do you think it goes next season? I get the feeling they're going to give him a go. I mean, I think they're really excited about him. I can see how he could be a perfectly adequate NHL player right away. Like, he's strong enough and confident enough you know, in terms of the skill and the creativity, like I think that's a big reason why he wasn't perhaps scoring as much as other high level Finnish prospects that have come along in the last few years out of the pro league there. He he just objectively did not score at a rate that you normally see out of really high end guys that go in the draft. But, um, you know, I think that at some point he could get there, but as sort of a guy that can plug a line, hold things together. Um, I think there's a lot to like with Slavkovsky and I get the feeling that Montreal has a lot of rope to play with this year, right? Like they're not looking to compete. So just, you know, give them a go. If the team still stinks, you get another high draft pick. There's no real super high expectations, I think, around the team right now. Um, and I think there's still some deconstruction they're looking to do before the beginning of next season. So I get the feeling they have that. It's not the expectations are low enough where and he's strong enough and big enough where it could it could work. I could feasibly see him playing in the NHL next year. Okay, and yeah, and even if he's not the highest end scorer to start, he might help with like hits and stuff. I yeah. know he's a good sure. player. Uh, all right, so then the Devils came up, and everyone kind of knew that they were going to go for D, or at least that was the vibe. And they ended up going with Simon Nevich, I guess. Uh, the other option that a lot of people were thinking would go maybe there would be Juracek, David Juracek. Uh, do you think that New Jersey made the right choice there? Well, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't want Logan Cooley or Shane Wright as your sure. third center. I don't know why you wouldn't, but I get it. Like Nemec to me, Nemec and Juracek were pretty clearly the two defensemen I was most interested in. I honestly, like, this is why I do things in tiers, because I had Juracek at five, Nemec at six. But if I was at a table and six scouts wanted Simone Nemec and five scouts wanted like wanted David Juracek, I'm not going to scream if I'm on Juracek's side about, like, this is ridiculous, like, we're making the wrong choice. I, I like I like Simone Nemec a lot, and I think that with him on one line and a guy like Luke Hughes on another line in the future – the New Jersey Devils are going to have a, an exceptional ability of transporting the puck around the ice and moving it and creating play in the offensive zone with their defensemen. Like, you know, Colorado right now has Kale McCarr and Sam Gerrard as sort of like their main principal creators off the blue line. And I think that, you know, I don't think these guys are quite on the same level, at least not yet. I don't think either of them are Kale McCarr, but Luke Hughes and Simone Nemec sort of bring that same kind of vibe that you do need in the modern NHL. So it was a it was, it's an acceptable pick. It's fine. Um, I personally might've looked at just saying, let's draft the talented forwards and let the problems sort themselves out. Like nothing wrong with rolling three scoring lines. I don't think, um, but yeah, I, I it, it's, it's all good. I, I think Nemec could be a really, really good puck transporter with some offensive tools that, that are best amongst defensemen in the draft. 
Do you think that there's a chance that Nemec can be like an offensive producer on New Jersey just because, like, like you said, they have Luke Hughes. They obviously have Dougie Hamilton locked in long term. Oh, they, yeah. they also have Ty Smith, who like yep. at one point people were saying was going to be a high-end prospect for the yep. team. Like, they have a pretty good uh, defense core, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. yeah, they do. And I think he'll be, I think he'll slot in just fine in scoring for him. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's I think that's what you're drafting him for. His defensive game when I watched him this year was not particularly great. It was a little bit very passive and very sort of sat sitting back and, and letting things happen around him, which is fine. But when the puck's on his stick, yeah, like there's, there's a lot to like, and with development and time and getting better at what he's already good at. Yeah. I, I, I think Nemich will be just fine in New Jersey. And the sense I got is that like, he's one of the more NHL ready players. Like he's like almost like, would you think in some be- ways I would say, I don't think he's going to play in the NHL right away, oh, but okay. I think it's some, I think in some ways he could be a play driver in the NHL. I just think you know, like, I'm always a fan of like the the Slovakian pro league jump to the NHL has never been done before. And I just feel like that's a bit of uncharted territory. And I'm never, ever, ever a fan of taking a player and just right after you draft them, putting them in the, putting them in the, in the NHL, like maybe Nemich could be a guy that plays in the AHL for a little while, kind of like how Toronto did with Timothy Lilgergren, like put a defenseman in the, in the AHL until they're really good and ready because I don't think Nemec is quite there yet, but I don't, you know, like I feel like he'll go back to Slovakia and like do a really, really good job next year in that league. And I don't know if you want that so much, but I feel like the NHL is a is a pretty big leap. Right. I guess like since we're on New Jersey, if I could just do a quick digression here. Like to me, they look like there could be such a strong team like so soon. Oh, yeah. Like, like they like Mercer had a great rookie season. Holtz hasn't even come in yet. Obviously, Jack Hughes had this huge breakout. Yes, but Brad had a breakout. He share like and that's just the forwards that we've talked about a bunch of defensemen. They just mm-hmm. got Vanacek. I guess that's the big question mark is if yep. they'll have someone good in nets. Like I'm, I, I, every year, like I'm excited about New Jersey. I feel like the last two seasons I've been excited going to the year, and then both years they've stunk. And my co-host is like, I told you they weren't going to be good. Like, is this the <laughs> year that they're going to be good? Do you think? I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I, as far, I don't think Luke Hughes was signed. So I think he's going back to college. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's going back. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that with New Jersey depth was a bit of the issue, but I think that, you know, if Alexander Holtz is ready to go, if Alex Holtz is ready to go, then Alex Holtz is ready to go. So we'll, we'll see what happens with them. Uh, we'll see what moves they make in the off season. But I mean, I hope, I hope that they're, I hope that they do a little bit better. And do you think that what we saw from Dawson Mercer, like, is that, I, I'm just curious. Like, I, I don't know, he had, I was surprised. Yeah. yeah. I was surprised at how quickly he sort of hit the, hit the stage. Right. Like I, I, I liked Dawson Mercer. I thought in his draft year, like in terms of tools and offensive, you know, offensive skill, he was one of the better ones, especially available where New Jersey was picking. So yeah, I mean, it, but it did surprise me just how much, how much production he generated last year. So yeah, I mean, if you get a step ahead from him and, and Alexander Holtz becomes an everyday player, you maybe put him on the power play to put him in a scoring position, then yeah, I think you could certainly see a lot of improvement out of that team next year. Yeah, I like to buy a new hat every year on a team that I'm high on. And you see, oh, okay. I did pretty well with the Panthers this past year. Yeah, you did pretty well with them. Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, maybe New Jersey next year. But okay, let's get back to the draft. We go to, a play- so Arizona, like, do you think Logan Cooley... Like, first of all, that was a kind of a surprise, right? Like, I think a lot of people thought at this point they would take Shane Wright. Were you surprised? No, I, I wasn't. I mean, I I said this in my final work before the draft. Like, the more I watched of both of these guys down the stretch, the less I really thought that Shane Wright was going to be my number one guy. I, look, I, for a really long time this season, I had a lot of time to go, yeah, he's just rusty because he missed a whole season. He missed a season, he missed a season. He's getting back into form. He's getting back into form. And I would just see stuff out of him down the stretch of the year. And I'm going, if this is the best player available in this year's draft, then this draft class must not be particularly strong. Hmm. You know, he's a good, he's a really good player. He's really good and really smart and certainly is going to be a good NHL player. I think Logan Cooley is flashier, but they serve a similar purpose and their effect on the game is relatively similar. Cooley also drove better data in a lot of areas for me. And he, you know, in some of the games I watched, he was playing college teams and still performing quite well. Shane Wright, you know, at his at his best moments, you know, I don't know. I could talk for an hour about Shane Wright, and I, I, but I, I came into the draft going, look, if Shane Wright doesn't go number one, I'd be surprised, but not shocked. And at three, after Shane Wright was still on the board, I'm sitting there going, if I'm Arizona, I play the long game here with Cooley and say, let's send you to college for a year or two and, and stink for another year. And we'll have Connor Bedard or Adam Fantilli or whatever else. And 
Logan Cooley on the same team. And that will des- definitely help us. I, I get why they went that direction. With Shane Wright, I think there's maybe a bit more safety and a little bit more of a hockey mind that you can build around. And maybe he was sort of really changing the way that he was playing this year, which I thought, I, I mean, he almost scored 40 goals, I think, in the OHL two years ago, and he barely got past 30 this year. And I'm watching him play, and I'm like, well, this is a goal scorer who's not shooting the puck very much. And when he is, he's not scoring from shooting from scoring areas. He's much more of a playmaker last year in the games I watched, at five on five at least. So I'm going, okay, he can shoot, but he's not really using it a whole lot. So what happens when he starts using that a little bit more? You know, what happens when he does sort of find that balance between the two years? I don't know. Honestly, like we're kind of killing two birds with one stone here between Cooley and Wright at three and four. Like Seattle, I think, was would have been thrilled at the time at three where they go, no matter what happens, we know what we're doing and we're getting a good player. And I think for Arizona, they went with the American. They went with a guy. They probably like had the expectation that would be a guy they could realistically target. And and I would hate if I if I was Arizona and I was expecting Shane Wright to go one or two. And I'm going in and I've interviewed Cooley so many times and I've talked to him and really got to know him because I wasn't really expecting Shane Wright to be there. And last minute I changed my plan and go, eh, well, maybe Shane Wright's pretty good, you know, because I know what I've gotten Logan Cooley and he's a pretty freaking good hockey player. So it's it's a tough situation. But, you know, once it got to that point, I already, you know, Nemec and Slavkovsky being one, two certainly kind of surprised me. But between Cooley and Wright, they were one, two on my board. And honestly flip a coin and i i can see why either would be the would would be would be the pick right okay and then like then with cooley on one hand i want to think like wow if you're in a like a dynasty league now you need to like avoid the guy because on arizona they're a wasteland like <laughs> yeah well that's like, the other thing yeah but like you're saying if they're gonna wait a couple of years on him and you know they had all these picks in this draft like do you think that arizona is starting to like look like maybe they could do something <sighs> in like a couple years or are we still like a long way away from that and, like logan cooley is someone you'd be worried about just like being on this team i, I don't know i honestly i look at logan cooley and i don't know who he's gonna play with because you know they had the chance to really do some damage this year in the draft and in my view they did not do a whole lot of damage i think they did a lot of damage to themselves when you look at who was when when you look at who was available with those picks that they traded to san jose to get connor geeky i you know i like connor geeky but at 11 that's really high and the San Jose Sharks could they they could have done better, but you know I think at the end of the day I look at Philip Beestead at 27 and in San Jose and go look with some development could I see him being exactly the same type of player in the NHL or better than Connor Geeky? Yes, is Connor Geeky probably a little bit better off right now as he is probably, but you know if San Jose ends up with a player that is even remotely comparable, I would say comparable to Connor Geeky, then that trade looks terrible. And I look at that and I say, well, you know, the Arizona Coyotes traded away picks where they would have had access to any number of players, Yuri Kulich, Philip Mashar, Brad Lambert, Jagger Furkus, uh, Isaac Howard, um, and adding one of those guys on top of Logan Cooley, like Logan Cooley played with Isaac Howard all year, and they were absolutely dyn- dyn- dynamite. So, you know, and then when they did have draft picks, they didn't, you know, they drafted a six, eight defenseman who is not good right now and could be good down the road, but he's not right now. And uh, the other guy that, and, and Connor Geeky was their, their first round pick and the rest of their picks in the draft. One of my favorite picks for Arizona was in the seventh round, which we might get to at some point. But for me, I, I don't know. I, I think with Arizona, you know, they, they got to have more in terms of skill and scoring and offense in the hopper because with Logan Cooley, like, he needs other guys to work off of. Like he's more of a playmaker than a scorer from, from my, from in my view. And I just don't, I don't think Arizona's there yet. And the way that they draft, it's a, it's a mixed bag, I would say. Right. So maybe buyer beware a little bit with Cooley, like as good maybe. as you think he is. Uh, so, okay. Let's say you could get a job right now as the GM, like your goal is to try to build a winner. You could either go to Arizona or Chicago. Who do you think is like set up better right now? As the they are right now. I, I mean, I look at Chicago landing Kevin Korchinski and Frank Nazar in the same draft in the top 15. That's a good pair of guys to work with now on the flip side they traded alex to and i would really like to have alex to on my team if i'm taking over as general manager but you know there's nothing i can do about that if i if i pop in as general manager of that team and i end up i have a defensive building block in kevin korchinski and a pretty good forward building block in, in frank nazar that's a nice start um 
so I think I go, I think I go with Chicago, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's, let's stick with Chicago. Okay. And hey, you have Seth Jones locked in for a long time, whatever that's worth. That's yeah. Nice. Well, I guess we, like I said, I didn't really think about that part. Okay. <laughs> Well, if you're Arizona, you could have Jacob Chikrin. He's very good, but they, they want to trade him. I guess they're going to get like uh, maybe a 2023. They'll get pick. something. They'll get stuff. You know, they'll get stuff. Just got to use it right. You know, they'll get stuff. Might even be as good as Jacob Chikrin. Who knows? It, it could be a boat. You know, like. Uh. <laughs> uh, so okay, let's talk about Shane Wright in Seattle now. So the guy who was like forever expected to go first, then now he falls to fourth. Uh, is like now all of a sudden though, like Seattle is pretty exciting, right? Because they got Beniers in the last draft. Now they have Shane Wright. Uh, like, who do you think is the going to be the top guy? Do you think it's going to be like head to head, like a Crosby and Malkin for years to come? Now between the two of them, yeah, I mean, it's going to be impossible to ignore. Um, they won't play each other as much, uh, right? They will. They won't. They, they'll play each other very rarely. Um, Seattle, Montreal. But I look at Shane Wright, and I mean, at four, it was the easy pick. You know, like cutter goche went one pick later david urichek two picks later and i look at shane Wright, and even though i have concerns about him i look at him and go yeah i'd rather have him than, than those two you know and I, I like both of those players but shane Wright, he's so smart and so crafty in terms of how he sees the ice when he makes his passes you know how he sees the ice around him you know not the flashiest looking guy not the not the most incredible you know skill guy you're gonna find but he doesn't need to be he's you know He's fast when he needs to be. He can slow things down when he needs to. He can move the puck really effectively most of the time, especially outside of the defensive end. Um, you know, in the offensive end, I think his playmaking was something that he was trying to consciously focus on this year a little more because he is still a really talented shooter. I just didn't see it very often. So if that can come out more, then yeah, I think there's something there. Between him and Matthew Beniers, the Seattle Kraken, I think, you know, they they've picked my number one guys both years in a row now. And I think they're going to be having no problems with those two guys up the middle of the ice there for a long time. Um, you know, who's going to play first or second line. I don't really care. I like them both. Uh, I think they both bring really, really interesting things to the game. I think Beniers is a different type of player and may not be as productive as Shane Wright, but I think he'll bring more results at both ends than Shane Wright does. Um, but I don't really care too much. Like both of those guys are going to be great building blocks. And I think Seattle, knows that as well and and i think they should be rightfully quite excited about pulling this off yeah i think that if if they play their cards right they could have one more year of being bad get an awesome 2023 20, pick then they have all this cap space maybe like get a few you know good free agents like yeah this could be a good team pretty soon if they, again if they you know run things correctly that's also interesting with Shane Wright I know everyone's saying that he kind of had this like down year like you were saying you expect him to score like 40 goals he only scored 32 like I guess maybe this is like my ignorance like I see like a 94 point season right like he only had scored 32 goals but he did also have an assist in almost every game like I guess what would have been like what would have been a successful stat line for him 40 goals yeah I mean he came advertised as a goal scorer and he didn't really score that many goals and he was a bit streaky and such in places but you know, I, I don't know. I, I look at Shane Wright and go, I think it wasn't it wasn't so much points that people were looking for. I think people were just looking for more of an impact player. You know, n- you know, yeah, he's got the tactical mind and the creative sort of, you know, the way he sees the ice is really unique and 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 very smart and just knows what to do and when. But sometimes you want to see like elite level NHL prospects just put the puck on his stick and just take the damn thing to the house, right? Like just take over a shift, show off what you can do. And it just felt with Shane Wright, it was very sort of methodical and planned out and, and everything, but sometimes that doesn't work. And, and the big thing with me when I think about guys like Shane Wright is the NHL doesn't give you time to think. You don't get that luxury. Guys are on you in a matter of like, it, if you count the seconds in the NHL when a guy has the puck and there's, you know, it's not in the defensive zone starting a breakout, you're looking at, like count out two steep bones and you might not get there most of the time, right? Before there's an actual interaction where the player has to make a play. So can Shane Wright drive results and drive possession doing what he does now? I don't know, but I think, I think with him, it's, I think people's concerns weren't so much. He's not putting the puck in the net enough. It's like how he's getting to that point. Cause you can get there doing what he does in the OHL. It's just a matter of like everything else, and pushing pace and and really getting around guys and challenging players directly that I think he just wasn't really showing a ton of, but I think he can do it. It's just, he wasn't showing a ton of it. 
I see. And then people can maybe make excuses like he didn't have the previous year, like a lot of, and, and whatever. So we'll, we'll see. Do you think he's in the NHL next year? Yeah, or? I think so. I mean, Seattle has like no expectations. I, mm. I don't see any real value. I mean, maybe you send him back to Kingston, but like, I would rather have him sort of, you know, with Beneers, you know, they start to gel, find some sort of balance of role between the two of them. You know, if Seattle were a team like Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is in this mode of like, we don't want to be bad anymore, then maybe I might be a little more hesitant because the expectation there for Wright might be like, you're going to help us get back to the playoffs. And I don't think he's quite that level of impact player right away. But with Seattle, it's a nice sort of, let's see what happens. You know, I I, I wouldn't be shocked if he was sent back to junior based on how he played, but I, I, I think at least getting a cup of coffee is something that, 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 should be in his future in the in the in the winter fall november <laughs> whatever when the, whenever the nhl starts fallish sure fallish and so i i have to of course uh jump on what you said about how you said you had beneers as your number one for last year so he looked really amazing at the end of this season he only came in for a few games he's getting points like every single time is he somewhat like is he at the top of your list right now calder candidates for 2023 it would be fun um I would love to see it because I love Matty Beneers. I, I think I think he's the type of guy where next year, you know, I don't know if he's going to win the Calder because I feel like next year he might be a guy that hits like forty or fifty points. And but but his value also comes off the puck. You know, his defensive game is really relentless and just such a. You know what I love about Matthew Beneers is that he fits my philosophy of of what I want my centers to look like. Right, like strong back checker you know, deep in the defensive zone, supporting defensemen and really aware of space and passing lanes. But when the puck is on his stick, he's got the speed and skill and sort of diversion and, and deception ability to sort of quarterback a rush up the ice as well and really work off of his wingers. And so I, I really like that about Matty Veneers. And with um, with that, you know, I don't know about Calder Trophy right away. Um, I think also the 2020 class that's starting to hit the NHL now is just so, so good. Like, I'm pretty sure Cole Perfetti is going to be considered a rookie, and I imagine he'll get more NHL ice time. Um, Jake Sanderson's coming in. You know, he might be a threat. Owen Power. I like Owen. I didn't have Owen Power number one or even number two or three in my draft board, but I like him a lot. Like, he's well, the way the Buffalo is, is developing him is really interesting. And I think that it's exactly how I would have done it with him, where it's more leaning into his puck carrying and, and offensive offensive instincts rather than trying to make him a big bruising defensive guy. Um, so that's been very promising. I think there's going to be a lot of really good candidates just like there was this year. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. It'll be interesting if there could be a defenseman again that, uh, wins would the call. Yes. And I guess also, who do you think is the most like a Moritz cider? Is, is it Nemec or, or your well, I guess we could talk about it's Nemec. Okay. I'm going to get, I think it's yeah. Simon Nemec and a Simon Nemec. So I should probably get that, <laughs> figure that out. Like Close who, enough. Who's the one that you think is like running a power play and like hitting and blocking and just doing everything for you in fantasy? Yeah. As a, as a, as an ideal, like, let's put on my, you know, my magic hat and say, I know how the future goes. And it's, you know, positive for all of these guys. I think David Juracek is that guy. Like I see David Juracek is very much like a Mikhail Sergachev type guy at his, at his best, right? Like a physical guy defensively, he's intense. He pushes guys around. He clears the front of the net. You know, he, he battles, he does all those things that NHL teams love. But he also has skill and he's fluid on his feet and he knows how to see the ice and he can move the puck, you know, not super well right now, but you can see it's the same thing off the puck too. You can see the wheels turning in the right direction. It's just the execution's not great right now. So in a, in a couple of years, you know, I look at Juracek relative to what I saw of Moritz Sider when he was draft eligible. And I could see how those two players, you know, Moritz Sider, I went back and watched some draft year tape of him not too long ago and I see similarities in those two. Not that they're going to be anywhere near the same level of player, but Sider did have a bit of skill and a bit of this physical imposition and all this stuff, but wasn't really like driving results like he did pretty much immediately when he moved to Sweden. So with Juracek, I think he's the one that I point to and go, I could see that guy being just an all-around, all-situations defenseman that can get the job done off and on the puck that, that might bring a lot of value. Yeah, and Columbus is going to... Yeah, it's like both New Jersey and Columbus actually have interesting defense cards because like Juracek goes there where they obviously have Wierenski and then they have like Adam Boakvist who they traded for. Also, we have a patron, uh, Norm, who has a cousin who played for Columbus just for the last couple of games of the season, oh, yeah. Nick Blankenberg. Nice. Uh, Love Nick Blankenberg. Yeah. Oh, send my that, best wishes to Nick Blankenberg. Love that guy. <laughs> yeah, do you think he's going to be in the NHL next season? 
I hope so. I mean, I thought he played pretty well in the in the limited ice time I saw of him playing with Columbus last year. I, I think he'll be given the chance to earn a job. Uh, I just love how he plays. Like part of the reason I was a little cooler on Owen Power in his draft year was because he was playing with Nick Blankenberg and Owen Power would mess up defensively relatively often, but there's Nick Blankenberg to mop it up and get the puck out of danger and move it himself. So as a puck moving defenseman with a lot of skill and deception and all that fun stuff, I think he, I think he should be earning at least a look Um, whether he sticks or not. I don't know, but, but I'm a huge fan of Nick Blankenberg and, and just, just love the guy. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, I guess if we had a lot more time, I could even dive in a little bit deeper on some of these Columbus guys. But okay, I guess we've gone through like five, six players. So we've got a few to go. So we'll be back in just a sec. You're listening to Kevin Carlson. All right, we are back. I want to ask you now, I think you brought him up before, but probably one of the coolest first names of the people drafted in the first round, Cutter Gauthier. I never heard (laughs) this name Cutter before uh, hearing Uh about this draft class. Yeah. Uh, so uh he goes to philly another team that seems to be a bit of a mess right now maybe i could add them to the question of like who do you want to become the gm of and uh but uh what do you think about gochier and is he someone who can make an impact in philly like there's definitely seems like there should be spots especially now i heard that konechny injured himself like working out and might miss the start of the season i wonder if that's an opening for gochier to get get a cup of coffee to start yep yeah, no. I mean, he's going to go to college. You know, oh, okay. NTDP guy. I think the only NTDP guy that's gone to the NHL is Jack Hughes. Um, I think Cutter Goche needs to go to college. I I would not rush him at all. I'm terrified the Flyers are going to rush him. Um, you know, like I I watched when I watched all the NTDP guys at the beginning of the season. Cutter Goche was the one that I thought had the most interesting potential. You know, like I watched Naz- I watched Nazer. I watched Cooley, I watched Isaac Howard, and I would watch Cutter Gauthier. The guy with the puck on his stick can just carve through defenses. Like he's got really good skill for a big man, you know, but it just I just didn't see enough out of him this year. Like I I when I heard that he was the guy that was kind of getting the late season bump and might go top ten, and then there was a lot of talk about him going top five. I'm sitting there going, look, I maybe could see how that's possible, that that's worth it, but I would not do it. So if another NHL team wants to do it, by all means, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I'm happy to take someone else, right? Like I look at him even next to a guy like Juracek or Korchinski or even Frank Nazar, who played on the same team. Like I really like Frank Nazar and Cutter Gauthier, I think, can be the type of player that maybe Nazar is just with a bit more size. But I see Cutter Gauthier just defensively. He's not really engaged as much, you know, in transition. He's not the fastest you know, guy in terms of his deception and and getting up the ice with with a whole lot of pace. You know, he's got skill though, and he can really shoot the puck. And I think his playmaking is also a little understated. But again, the other thing is there, the only guy that I'm really excited about, I would say maybe is Juracek and he comes with risk as well. There are other players that I think I would have really pounded the table for ahead of him. Guys like Lakaramaki, maybe Matthew Savoy. Um, But you know, in that range of the draft, like it kind of opened up really, really quickly. So I don't know. I I'm a little skeptical of that pick that high. Like it really reminds me of when Arizona took Barrett Hayton at five and they Mm -hmm. really overdrafted him thinking like this guy's going to evolve into whatever. And he kind of hasn't. And I think with cutter Goche, there's flashes of something that might be worth a top 10 pick, I would say, but I've, I've watched him a lot this year. And I, I just, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it. I see. And yeah, you've brought up uh, Frank Nazar a lot. He fell all the way to 13th. He's a name I definitely heard a lot leading up into the draft. Kind of like, I don't know, like uh, a lot of people thought he was really good. And a few people thought, no, he's like overrated. Like, it sounds like you, you're pretty into him. He goes to Chicago. I, they traded a lot to get him. <laughs> Did you, yeah, it worth I, it? I kind of split the difference. So I, I went, I had him at 11. He went 13. I look at him and I see a guy where I see why people are skeptical and I see why people are super high on him. So I kind of fell in the middle. Like the guys who are really high on him love the resilience that he's got. He's, you know, he's got some skill, but he's more of just a hard work meat and potatoes guy who gets to the net, gets his chances, you know, works off puck really well too. I think he got a lot more comfortable as a puck carrier going on through the season. I, and, and I think, but with, on the other hand, people saw him and went, well, if he was six, two, he'd be a top five pick but he's 5'10", 5'11", and he plays like he's 6'2". And I think that scares some people. Personally, it doesn't really scare me. I don't really I don't really care. Like, I've seen Brendan Gallagher play hockey, and I don't think anybody cares. So with Frank Nazar, I think that that's, you know, not that he's Brendan Gallagher, but he plays with enough determination and intensity, especially on the puck, that I feel like 
he'll be just fine. And at 13, like he's a really good auxiliary pick. Like Rucker McGrody went one pick later. I still I see Frank Nazar as like significantly better in terms of NHL output right now as as than Rucker McGrody. But McGrody is a different type of player. But with Nazar, I think there's a lot more to like. So. Yeah, he's he's been interesting, and I've I kind of split the difference on on people's opinions on him. Yeah, and he'll be interesting just because also Chicago, if they're clearing the shelves, maybe he gets an opportunity to do something. Do you, like, do you think he could make the team next year? Or going, he's going, going to college. college. Yeah. Okay, I would yeah. be again. Most of these NTDP guys, I'd be they, I'd be stunned if they drop their college commitments to right. to play hockey. Maybe I should just ask you this way: Like, who is there anyone I haven't talked to you about yet that you think is going to play uh, like a full time next year? Honest, Last year honestly, it was only like Cylinder, right? Yeah, it was Cylinder only. The only player that I think is a little bit off the board that I think would play NHL games next year, not that they should, would be Connor Geeky. I I get the feel Arizona has nothing. Like they mm-hmm. have no NHL team. They played Giannis Jerome Moser last year, who was their third round pick. Like he's fine, but that that is like I, I look at them and how much they spent to get Connor Geeky. I get the feeling they love him. I get the feeling that since they were willing to spend all that all that draft capital they stockpiled to get him indicates that they had him even higher on their board. They thought someone else was going to draft him and they just stepped up and did it. And I don't know. I would be interested to see what happens with him uh, and see if he gets a flyer. Other than that, uh, other guys would surprise me. Maybe, maybe Marco Casper gets himself in an NHL game, but I think Connor Geeky's the one where I look at the team that drafted him and what they did to draft him, and I go, yeah, that might be a guy that that sneaks into the NHL on that on that specific hockey team. Mm-hmm, right. And then I guess you brought up Marco Casper. So we have like two more forwards basically in the top 10 here that we haven't really discussed. Marco Casper, who went to Detroit, and then Matthew Savoy, who went to Buffalo. So maybe you, uh, could you give a quick uh, report on these two guys? Who, which one was a good pick? Which was a bad pick? Were they both good? Uh, they, you know what? I like both of them. You know, this this was the area of the draft. Like at first, a couple of the people that I was with at the draft were like, like how did Detroit skip on who and who and who for Marco Casper? And I'm sitting there going, you know, look, after six this year, you know, I'm not really like pounding the table for anyone. I'm not, I'm not sitting there going like, I can't believe this happened. I can see why Mark, I had Marco Casper ranked at 19, for example. I'm totally okay with him going at eight. I, uh, I, I see the argument. I think with Detroit, like, I think his upside is relatively limited, but what he does, he does really well. Like he's strong, smart at both ends you know, drives possession with the puck through his resilience and, and strength really well. He can shoot. His his ability to distribute the puck is a little bit iffy, but he's physical. He's hard-nosed. Like, there's a lot to like about Marco Casper, and he got better as the year went on, I think. Matthew Savoy, like, I think a lot of people might look at that and go, oh, my goodness, like, Matthew Savoy falling all the way to nine. How could that be possible? I don't know. I think Buffalo, based on how they drafted over the course of the year, he's in good hands. Like, I think that's a great fit they seem to draft a lot more skill and offense and firepower, um, which, you know, they could use. And I think with Savoy, like he might score more points than Casper, but I think when you look at them back, back to back, I think it might be a little bit foolish to look at them and go, uh, Casper didn't score as many points. Therefore he's not as good. I think they're both going to sort of serve different purposes. I think Savoy is someone who's going to need like someone to help him around and help him out. Whereas Marco Casper, even if he's a, second or third line guy he's going to be a good one and can sort of do things on his own uh in all three zones that that help your team whereas savoy i think he's more of an offensive finisher a guy with a lot of skill and a guy with a lot of offensive tools and you know he's an underrated defensive player but in terms of actual defensive results might not quite be there as much as it is with casper I see. And like, I'm interested actually in Savoy and, and his spot in Buffalo. Buffalo is a team with so many like young players that we're sort of like, need to start figuring out soon, like who's going to actually be as good yep. as we thought, you know, like Dylan Cousins, Peyton Krebs. Now like Jack Quinn is going to come up. And now we're talking about Savoy. They also drafted, obviously they have Owen Power. And then they also got last year, Isaac Rosen, who they got in a trade. Like yep. I guess JJ <laughs> Paterka. Like, I don't know. Is it okay to like ask you to sort of give a little ranking or just like who's, who's at the top here? Like who's, who's like a superstar potential <sighs> on this? I mean, like are they I don't like, know. yeah i guess maybe another way to ask it is like uh, am i looking at this team like and i'm listing these players like wow this team's gonna be like so stacked and loaded or have i just listed like a bunch of middle six guys that is a very good supporting cast like that is an extremely good sort of group of players that can give your team enough 
depth that you're like, it's like Carolina, for example, to me, right? Like you look at the Carolina hurricanes and yeah, they've got Sebastian Ajo and Evgeny Svechnikov, but like, they don't have that like killer line, right? Like they don't have that line where in the playoffs you throw them over the boards and the opponent is afraid of them, right? Like the Leafs have Austin Matthews up the middle, right? Like that, that's like something that other teams like need to be very aware of. I don't think Buffalo quite has that, but they have enough there that they'll they'll get they'll take advantage of you right once in a while. And and if their second or third line goes out there, they're gonna be good. You know, JJ Paterka, like, could he be a first line forward? I don't think so, but I think he could be a great middle six forward, right? Like Jack Quinn, top line scorer, maybe not, but I think he could be a middle six scorer and look really really good doing it. Matthew Savoy. Like Matthew Savoy needs someone to do a bit of heavy lifting for him, but they've got Peyton Krebs. They've got Dylan Cousins. I really love Peyton Krebs. And I feel like those two guys could work off of each other really well. You know, I, I think there's got to be a mixture in there somewhere that's that puts them all in a much better position than they're in right now. And and they, I mean, the first round to me the other night, they were the kings of it. Like they did really, really well. They got Yuri Kulich at like 28 or something. 20, yeah, 28. And Yuri Kulich at 28 is a no-brainer to me. I, I just, you know, as much as I love Brad Lambert, if your team is scared of him and your Finnish scouts don't like him and they're more comfortable with Yuri Kulich, I'm going, fine, sure, let's take him. Because as your third-line center, Kulich is a really good one. And they it adds to that stable of forwards that you went over um, that just, it helps a ton. And they also drafted Noah Oslin for good measure. And that could be one of the higher upside swings in the entire draft. So, I think Buffalo's doing just fine, and and they've done a pretty good job turning around their future. I think with the kind of players that they're adding. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm just so interested to know, like, so if, if of all these guys that I that I mentioned, who do you think is like over the next ten years, who's going to have the season with the most points? Are, are you thinking mm. like Peyton Krebs? Uh, maybe it's too hard. Of maybe Jack <laughs> Quinn. Like Jack Quinn on a power play is really devastating, and maybe he's the guy that scores a lot of points. Um. Yeah, okay. <laughs> something like that. Maybe Matthew Savoy if things go really, really well for him. Maybe if you're if you have some downtime, we could come back and just do a podcast about the same. We could just do. <laughs> yeah, we're exactly. actually doing a beat writer series, talking to a beat writer from each team. I should just get you, oh, to come you on go. and talk about each team and the, the prospects <laughs> we're doing. It'd be so fun. I actually uh, got this guy Alexander Kisakov in my dynasty. League, oh yeah, like, the late pick. You're yep. like, okay, I'll take it if you say, oh yeah, then yep. I'll be happy with that. He's, yep. All right, let's get back to 2022 here. So where are we? We're kind of like through the top. I guess there's a couple defensemen we haven't talked about. I guess we've really only talked deeply about Nemec and and Juracek. So then Chicago took Korchinski at seven. And then Anaheim took Pavel Minchikov at 10. And then we have Denton Matejchuk at 12 to Columbus. Uh, thoughts on like, the, I guess that will round out our top 15 for yeah. defensemen. Do, uh, so, any of those guys jump out to you? Well, they all do. I mean, for different reasons. Like they're all really impressive hockey players. Like I like when I see Kevin Korchinski, I cannot help but see like a Jake Gardner type guy. Rangy, eh. fluid, mobile, skilled guy who can score points and set plays up. But sometimes you're going, ooh, you know, like uh, that wasn't so great. You know, the defensive side of the game for Korchinski is still a work in progress, but he's pretty young for the area of the draft that he went. Like a lot of guys are a few months older and everything, which, you know, can add up. But at the end of the day, he's he's a really skilled puck transporter. You know, seeing the ice and hitting his targets on his passes, I think, is a bit of a mixed bag right now. But more experience and a couple more years in junior will help him. Seattle's going to be a wagon of a hockey team next year. You know, a lot of their best players aren't leaving yet. Um, so they're going to be a, another really, really they're going to have a really strong season, I think. Um, and I think Korchinski will be a big reason for that. So, Wait, sorry, yeah. Korchinski went to Chicago. Oh, yeah. I'm saying Seattle, the Seattle Thunderbirts, like his oh, junior sorry. team. Okay, gotcha. yeah. sorry. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so I think that that's perfectly fine. And and Mintukov at 10, he was 17 on my board. Uh, but it, if, you, if you're the Anaheim Ducks and, and you see him as like the defense version of Trevor Zegers, maybe, like I could maybe see that argument because I've seen some stuff out of Pavel Mintukov that just like boggles my mind in terms of offensive skill and, you know, evasion and deception, like really high-end stuff. And if his skating can improve... Uh, especially generating speed in a straight line. If his defensive game can get a little bit more well-refined, there's a lot to like with Minchukov. I think I think he could be a really interesting pickup at 10. Other players might have been higher on my board there, but you know, if you were really confident that your development staff and your coaching staff were like, no, we want him pushing aggressively offensively a little more, you know, really 
being creative with the puck, stepping up off the blue line, using the skill he's got, being deceptive. I think there's a lot of room to grow with Minchukov that could make him one of the best defensemen that were drafted. Hmm. Denton Matejchuk, like I get it. He scored a lot of points this year. I've spoken to a few WHL people about him, and I only very few of them have said uh, he's a top... Like, you ask some WHL people, he's a top 10 player. You ask some other ones, he's barely a first-round pick. You know, for me, he was 27 on my board. If you think, if you're confident in your development staff to develop his skating and skill level to a point where it is like elite, like capital E elite in the NHL, then it could really be one of the best picks made in the draft. Like Columbus loves to go full send with their draft picks sometimes. And Denman Tachuk is another one of those, like really confident young player, really got a lot of leeway to play his way in Moose Jaw. They basically gave him the puck and he just did whatever he wanted with it. Um, reads oncoming pressure really well and makes simple little plays to maintain possession, but got a lot more confident with his playmaking in the games I watched as time went on. But I also watch him play and I'm going, this looks like a guy who's really good at scoring points in junior, but I just feel like the skating and skill, like he, he seemed to be a guy who generated a lot of that production based off of his confidence and his willingness to really push guys onto their heels without having the speed and skill to do it in a way that I think NHL players would have problems with, if you know what I mean. So we'll see what happens with him. Again, I would stash him in junior for at least another year, see where he is. You know, there's no need to rush him. Um, And if he works out, he could be tremendous. If he doesn't, that's unfortunate, but in that range, like there's a couple of guys that I think I would be pretty seriously pushing for that have a little bit more certainty with them, but it's not the end of the world. It's it's a it's a it's a really interesting pick for Columbus, and I I, I he's one of these guys I want to get in a time machine and see in the future how how he plays. Well, you, you won't need a time machine. We'll get there. I just gotta wait. I don't uh, like waiting. No fun. <laughs> yeah, I guess gutsy of Columbus. I don't know if gutsy is the right word, but like taking two D with those two high picks. Uh, so we'll see that. I, I was like talking before about all their defensemen. Yeah, they have this other guy in Matejchuk, so they don't even need them yep. all to work out. I guess to to be a pretty decent team. I guess back on Anaheim quickly. So you were talking about Minchukov. Uh, uh, they also, you know, last year they drafted, well, obviously they got Mason McTavish uh, at three, but then they also got Olin Zellweger, who I've heard a lot of people be pretty high on uh, in, you know, in the second round. And the year before, they, of course, got Jamie Drysdale, who's been their, like, new top power. Well, I guess last year they sort of had two power plays that were yep. pretty even. But, like, is Jamie Drysdale still, like, the guy who you'd expect to be the long-term, like, top power play defenseman on this team? I or think, no? I think okay. so. I would think so. I mean, Zellweger... I think there's still question marks about Zellweger's NHL upside, but he had a phenomenal year. It was great. And I remember watching him and I think, I think at even strength, he's going to be tremendous. I mean, I think the thing to think about when I think about power play defensemen, like they're, you know, power plays generally aren't about flying around the offensive zone, evading pressure as fast as you can. Right. It's a lot about opening seams and and using passing and swapping positions to like move penalty kill formations around and trying to catch them out of position and, and, and drag them out of where they want to be. And I feel like with a guy like Zellweger, you know, he's more of a guy where you give him the puck in the offensive zone and he can wheel around the outside and make a play from there and, and really sort of drag his pursuer around the ice and, and do that. Whereas with a guy like, Jamie Drysdale, he doesn't do that so much as he's just really strong off the blue line. Like you can park him there and he sort of runs off of the blue line. He can distribute to either side. He can switch out into the half wall and maybe make, make plays to the inside of the ice there. So I see him, his play style a little more conducive to what I've seen out of normal NHL power plays. If it was a team like Carolina or something where it's just all, all, you know, everything just thrown against the wall and you just play hockey and put the puck in the net, then I think someone like Zellweger could maybe be a power play guy with a lot more freedom and other players sort of have that freedom as well. But it seems like Drysdale is more of a typical power play guy, I would say. I see. Okay. And, and not to make it too much about me, but I actually made a trade recently in my Dynasty League picking up uh, Sasha Pastujov on oh Anaheim. Is that, uh-huh. oh, you're, not, you're not liking that? Well, finish your thought. What'd you pay for him? Not too much. I gave a 19th <laughs> overall pick in this draft, which which we haven't done yet. So we'll see what that turns out to be. And then uh, that guy out of Winnipeg, who was like Rashevsky, who kind of oh came my. out of nowhere to have that. All right. Blew it. Um, and I got Nico I Dawes would... also. Sorry, I got Dawes and Pastor Okay, so you got a goalie. Cool. I mean, I don't know. I, I've seen Pastor Jov last year. He scored a lot of points, um, got, to, uh, got off to a crazy hot start this year. Um, 
we'll see. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not super high on him. Uh, I mean, no, no, you know, not to, not to make you feel bad. No, I probably wouldn't have made that trade, but you know, pastor job, if you, if you park him on a line with a guy like Trevor Zegers or something one day, if that's what they want to do, he'll score points, right? Like if he's put in the right position, he'll score. And that's kind of what you get him for. Right. But as a play driver guy, I think Anaheim drafted him around where he should have gone and we'll see what happens. I mean, he's, he's an interesting player. He has his, he has reasons why he scores points. Um, it's just a matter of how it'll work in the NHL. So we'll Fair. see. Yeah. I, I, I should have talked to you, right? I, I've never quite been a prospect <laughs> expert. Yeah. Put me so on, spe- put me on a retainer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So speaking of Ryshevsky, actually, that's a good uh, transition out to Winnipeg. He's a guy, by the way, who they picked last year in the draft, like super late. Then he had this amazing season in the KHL. Now they have him in their prospect core, along with, of course, Rucker McGrory, who they picked at 14. Mm-hmm. And maybe the guy I was most interested in going into the draft, who they got at 30, Brad Lambert, who like, wh- wasn't he like top three for a lot of people like before the season started, then he just like tumbled down the list. Yeah, he stayed top three for me. Uh, he was wow. third on my board at the end of the year. I, I I put my stake in the ground that I think that a lot of the problems with his game that led to his lack of production were not really his fault, I would say, or at least they weren't helped by who he was playing with. Um, I, you know, I see the reason why people are spooked about him. But when I see guys like, you know, uh, Jimmy Snuggerud and Nathan Gaucher and Rucker McGrory and, you know, like I look at Rucker McGrory, for example, because you brought him up. Like if Rucker McGrory went at 30 and Brad Lambert went at 14, I'd be like, okay, Winnipeg could have done a little better. But like, whatever, like they got a good player and a, and a good scorer. That's we'll see what happens. But I, I watch Rucker McGrory play and I go like his skating has got to improve like a lot to to make it work in the NHL. Um Whereas with Brad Lambert, he's already there. Like he is a tremendous skater with tremendous skill and tremendous creativity. It just, the puck just did not go in. And when he changed teams halfway through the year, things got worse. Like it was bad. So I get the feeling there's a lot of headroom for him to develop. I didn't think that Winnipeg would be the team that drafts him. And I'm not sure how that's going to go now that a guy like Rick Bonus is his NHL head coach and mentor, I would assume. Uh, that doesn't really strike a lot of faith in me, but you know, you never know. I, I think, I think at 30, if you believe in Rad Lambert truly and think that he could be a thing, then I definitely think it's a good fit. But if Winnipeg drafted him because they said he's, he's falling and we think he's okay. So like, let's see what happens. We'll draft him. And then, you know, you just don't want to set your bar too high with Brad Lambert, where it's like, if you're not a top line guy, like everyone thought you were, then you're not a good hockey player. But if he's a good second line scoring guy that can transport the puck up the middle of the ice. Like that's not the end of the world and getting that at 30. I think you're, I think you're pretty happy with that. So we'll see what happens, but yeah, I thought Minnesota, I thought uh, Winnipeg, you know, could they have done a little bit better? Yeah, sure. But yeah, Brad Lambert there didn't surprise me. He went that late, but still it was disappointing for me because I am such a huge fan of him. Right. So you, so you think they made the right choice to grab him at 30 and it's more you're thinking maybe they could have done better than McGrady at 14. Uh, would, yeah, you have mean, gone, yeah. would you have gone with uh, Lecker Mackey? Who went he would have been McGrady? very high on my list. If it, I, I would, if someone was like, hey, who would you take instead of McGrady? We need someone like him. I'd go, yeah, go for Lecker Mackey, maybe Kamel uh, in there as well. Liam Ogren would be a guy that I would have really pushed for. And I feel like he would have been an interesting fit in, in Winnipeg. Um, but you know, can't win them all. And, uh, McGrody does have things that are very, very good about his game. You know, it's not like he's a bad hockey player. Uh, just, I feel like there's a long way to go for him to get to where, you know, where they, where some think he could be. Right. Yeah, and I, I was listening to a few podcasts and like watching some content, including yours, you know, going into the draft. So I didn't like haven't heard of like all of these people, but yeah. I, you pretty much named the ones that I've heard of. Like, so Lakara Mackey, uh, that was a name I knew, and he goes to Vancouver at 15, like you said. Then Joaquim Kemel is someone also I've heard a lot of people talk about maybe having hired. He ended up going to Nashville at 17, and then yeah, mm-hmm. Liam Ogren went to Minnesota at 19. Do you think all of those were guys that fell too far? Like, I'm just thinking they are because they're like the players I've heard of, and like actually Rutger McGrady isn't one. So, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, so I think with Kamel as the first example, like I had him ranked at nine, but in my heart of hearts, that was too high. I, I, and I know that's obviously the benefit of hindsight at 17, but sitting at the draft, like I, there were people around that I was with that were like, how is, how is Kamel still available? Like, how is this possible? And I just, I can see why teams are skeptical. I, I get it. You know, I, 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 
you know, he, he got off on an absolute heater to start the year and everything was going in. And then I would watch him and I'm going, I do not see a guy scoring that that's going to score like a point per game in Finland all year. I just don't see it. And then he really slowed down and, you know, he got hurt and then really slowed down and then really stayed slow and just kind of regressed back to where he was. Like, I, I don't mind Joachim Kamel. Um, but I, you know, I, I thought about it a lot. I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking I have him at nine, but would I take Le Karamaki ahead of him? I can see why teams might want Kamel first, but that's a tough call. And I had Le Karamaki six spots behind him, Frank Nazer. I had him at 11. I, I, it doesn't take very much to convince me that Nazer should go ahead of him. You know, Liam Ogren, same thing. He went a little bit after Kamel, but I look at Liam Ogren and say, okay, he's maybe not the same level of scorer. He's not quite as physically effective, but he brings a lot to the game that that's really, really useful. And I think that's a little more of a toss up, but yeah, I, I, those kinds of, and that's what kind of happens in this year's draft in any draft really is that from my perspective, guys, just other, other teams prioritize other traits and they prioritize other players. So I'm happy when the players that I like start to slip a little bit. And, you know, a team like Minnesota typically is a lot more in line with kind of how I see the game and what I look for in players. And when I saw Lee, I was sitting there at 19 and I'm going, okay, this is, I get the feeling this is going to be like Liam Ogren or uh, Yuri Kulich or, you know, a guy just like well-rounded guys that can play physical, fend off pressure, and and those guys do that really well. And sure enough, here comes Ogren. So, yeah, it's it's just interesting. It's I think the most interesting thing about the draft in general is you get to see kind of the philosophy of what the team is trying to build with what they've got. And, and a lot of these guys did seem to line up with what they were trying to aim at. And that pretty much stayed consistent throughout the entire draft. So it's always fascinating to see how that goes out and then how it how it works, you know, in the next couple of years. Yeah, Minnesota gets Liam Ogren. Then also they got at 24, Danilo Yurov, who I heard a lot of people talking about might be a high upside guy, but also worried because he's like in the Russian system. Is he like, do you think Minnesota did really well in this first round? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Danilo Yurov at 24, I think, I mean, I had him at 16. Uh, Again, that's like a soft 16. I thought, you know, when I was watching him, I'm going, "Eh," you know, not, not totally sold on his like super high end NHL upside, but a really smart player, you know, uh, really good puck touch player. Just every time he touches the puck, he just kind of makes something happen. It might not be the most incredible thing you've ever seen, but he makes something happen. Um, you know, decently mobile, solid finisher. Like he's just a good all around hockey player. And if you get a good all around hockey player and they turn out to be one of those in the NHL for your second or third line, which I think Yurov is likely to be probably more of a third line guy that can sort of just chip in offensively while also playing some decent defense. Um, while playing maybe on a power play, uh, then I think you're, I think you did really well. I mean, yeah, I, 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 it's just funny. Like I watch him in the KHL and I can see why he's not playing a ton of minutes in the KHL, but he's a good player. He went back to junior and you saw a lot more of why he was that, that talented down there. Um, so yeah, I did. I thought that was a good pick at 24 as well. Cool. And then I guess the other big thing Minnesota did is uh, trading Kevin Fiala to get the pick that they used for Ogren and also yep. got a defenseman named Brock Faber. Any any thoughts on that return? Pretty good. You know, I mean, look, Kevin Fiala was not going to stay, uh, it right. seems. Um, and you get the pick and you get pick 19. You know, Liam Ogren is not Kevin Fiala. That's that's just objectively true. He's a different type of player. You know, Liam Ogren is much more of that. I don't know how to explain it. Maybe like a Michael Bunting you know, type of guy. Calder finalist. Sure. Yes. But (laughs) yeah, exactly. But just like a, you know, a well-rounded, hard-nosed guy that can do a bunch of, you know, wear a bunch of different hats and plays hard. And on top of that, you get Brock Faber and Brock Faber. I like Brock Faber. Like, I don't think he's a top four offensive guy, but he'll chip in. He'll be a good defensive presence. He's mobile. Um, there's a lot to like about Faber. He's skilled. He makes a good first pass. Like, I think he'll be a player and you need guys like Faber to sort of round out the guys like Kalen Addison that they've got in their system. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Um, and, and I thought that was a good trade for like, if you get a first round pick and a not bad prospect for a guy, that's not even going to play on your team next year because you can't afford it. Sure. Like that seems perfectly fine. Yeah. Okay. And is, do you think Kalen Addison is like the front runner to run that power play in a year? Like who mm-hmm. is it? Cause right now there's been Jared Spurgeon who just doesn't really strike me as someone that would be long for that job. You know, I don't know. Maybe. Um, well, I mean, I don't know. I know Kalen Addison is a guy that has his warts and, and I know some people just really don't like him. 
Um, I mean, I, th- I think he could be an NHL player, but I don't think that he's your like power play quarterback. I feel like that's going to be Spurgeon for now. Uh, who that is in the future, not a clue. Um, you know, but they have a lot of really interesting defense prospects on the way. Guys like Dryden Hunt, or sorry, not Dryden Hunt, Damon Hunt. Uh, Ryan O'Rourke is kind of percolating around. Carson Lambos is still poking around. Um, Kalen Addison obviously is still there. So there's some interesting options that, you know, depending on who they feel like putting in, like they, they have some good options in terms of running a power play. I don't know about any of those guys being a shoe in for that, but you never know, you know, they're still, they're still really young. Yeah. Someone's Someone's got to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, man. I feel like back in the day when I'd be watching an episode of lost and I'd be like, wow, like the episode's clearly almost over and they haven't even scratched the surface of all the things I want to learn about. And now here we are. And yeah, an hour has gone by and I guess I got to let you go soon. Uh, Are there any other players you want to like stake your claim on? Like, you know, Will Scouch said this guy was going to be good and (laughs) we need to have it on the record so that when we go back and talk to you next year and it'll be like, yeah, wow, you really nailed it. I do. I do think there were some picks that teams really sort of nailed uh, in terms of potential value. Like Gleb Trikazov at 60, Lane Hudson at 24, Adam Sikora, or Lane Hudson at 62, Adam Sikora at 63. Like that whole region of, uh, let's see here, it was Trikazov, Goyette, Hudson, Sikora, 60 through 63, which I thought was a really interesting group. Um, you know, beyond that, I mean, this draft, once you got to about 50 or 60, slowed down on the guys that I'm like really excited about pretty quick. Um, I would be very interested in seeing the career trajectory of Vladimir Gordinen, who I had in my top 15. Uh, he won 156th <laughs> to Carolina. Right. Um, but I get the feeling that's a guy where I would plant my flag and say, look, at 156, a lot of players went before him who are significantly worse. We'll see what happens. But I am a big, big fan of that pick. I thought Carolina as a whole did really, really well. But um, largely based off of, I mean, I don't know, me and me and the Carolina Hurricanes, we get along like peanut butter and jam, it seems. Uh, and I wasn't surprised to see Grudinen get drafted by them, but I was surprised to see it happen so late. So that's a guy that I would keep an eye out for. But those guys also in that late second round, uh, I would also keep a pretty keen eye on uh, down the road. What do you think about the fake Jack Hughes and the fake Elias Patterson? Are either <laughs> of them going to be good? The thing I don't understand about Elias Patterson is what is it going to say on their jerseys? Because you can't, like, usually they add a second letter if the first name matches on letter, yeah. but their names are the same. I think I saw something about how, like, the fake Elias Pedersen was going to have, like, just E. Pedersen, and the other one is just Pedersen. Oh, okay. I could see that. That would make sense. That's the logical thing to do. We'll, we'll see, though. I guess, yeah. Since you're, uh, you know, really feeling like Carolina knows what they're doing, can I ask you really quickly about Alex Passion? He's another person I have in my Hell yeah, you can. I love Alex Passion. <laughs> he's great. He's small, but he's really skilled and, you know, just keeps scoring. Like, he's playing against men this year, scored a ton of goals. Like, he's a ton of fun, and I'm really excited that he came over. All right. Well, okay. I, I think at this point, I am going to have to let you go, Will, okay. as much as I'd love to just talk to you for the rest of the night. Uh, but uh, yeah, so thank you so much for coming on. I'm sure uh, our listeners are going to like super appreciate it. Uh, and obviously, you have a lot more content already available. And you also have an amazing Patreon where people can get access to everything you do. So why don't you just tell people how they can get yeah. everything they didn't get in this episode? Of course. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at Scouching and on YouTube uh, at the Scouching YouTube channel. We're not done with draft content yet. We're going to do a recap series of every team. Uh, so I'm putting the notes together on that. Uh, that'll probably start coming out in the coming weeks because um, video production takes time. But also uh, you can support me directly on Patreon, as you said, uh, patreon.com slash scouching. There's all kinds of tiers accessible. Um, so you can get access to something as simple as a tableau visualization tool with all my written reports to early access to videos to uh data sheets for guys that have been drafted already guys that aren't drafted and so you can keep up with them during the year all kinds of stuff so uh check that out it's also accessible through youtube uh if you just go in any of my videos and click join under where it says subscribe uh it'll take you to the youtube membership program uh and uh it's basically it's all the same tiers same everything and uh you could do that uh, as well to support me directly so that's a good start. Um, got a bit of stuff coming out on McKean's hockey with the video team and the scouting team there. So that's coming out relatively soon. Uh, and yeah, that, that, that about does it. 
What would be the membership level if someone wants to be able to run trades by you so that they don't blow it like I did with that past new job trade? I would say, I would say five <laughs> bucks a month because oh. then you get in the Discord server and that's where I'm accessible the most. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's much quieter in there than it is on social media. So that's generally the what I would recommend to people if you want if you want advice. And there's lots of people in there willing to give you a piece of their mind too. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I thought you were going to say something with a couple zeros in there. So what a bargain. Oh, I'm not there yet. That's the enterprise level that we haven't quite reached yet. Right. That, that's where you look over their team and basically just tell them like what they need to do. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to kid myself. I don't think I'm that, I don't think I'm that smart. I'm just a guy, but, uh, I can, I can give you an opinion and sure. <laughs> just, it's all, all it's worth, it's worth whatever you think it's worth. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've had a blast in this episode. I'm going to have a lot of fun uh, listening to this like in a year from now and kind of seeing it, like what, you know, oh, yeah. soon, what didn't, I guess that's, like you said, we got to get in that time machine, but we'll just, yeah. I'll just wait and <laughs> see what I, happens. I, yeah. I leave it, I leave it all in the past. If people bring up takes from two years ago and ask me how I feel about it, I just ignore it and move on to the next <laughs> one. Just move on to the next bad take. So if you feel like making a list and sending it to me, I'm ignoring all of it and just moving on to the next bad take. <laughs> I'll get you for like two episodes next year. One where we could go over like a recap of oh, this God. episode and then one okay. to like talk, make a new one. Well, now I know what to expect. You know, yeah. now I know it's like, okay, I got to be aware of this. Like, this ha ha, nasty job. Yeah. Just had an amazing <laughs> season. Yeah, three hat tricks in his first three NHL games. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thanks so much again for coming on. Have a great rest of your night. And yep. yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of your content coming out soon. Yeah, thank you very much. It was a great time. <laughs>